You're listening to Podcasting Paradigms with Dave Trust and my guest, Barbara Bray. Barbara Bray was a dental hygienist, and it was only after she had an accident and broke her neck that she was inspired to change her careers and become an educator. As a friend told her, she went from dental flossing to mental flossing. Mental flossing, I like that term. It's kind of what this podcast is all about. Barbara shares her thoughts and insights, but she also gets personal and shares stories from her teenage years and plans for the future. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And if you enjoy this podcast, please like and share it on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, check out Barbara's new podcast, Conversations on Learning. I share links to Barbara's podcast, her blog, and her books in my show notes on podcasts.davidtrust.com, home of podcasting paradigms. Enjoy the conversation. I am at Educon 2017 in Philadelphia, and I have the privilege of having Barbara Bray with me. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Dave. It's uh, so much fun anytime I get a chance to see you. So uh, <laughs> me too. Such longtime friends online, um, but also too we've we've connected sort of privately uh, quite a bit and had even opportunities to work together. So um, welcome, and I can't wait to hear some of the. Some of the answers you have for the questions I'm going to grill you with. Oh, gosh. I'm so lucky to be here with you. This is great. So just a few questions that I have for you. um, And we can kind of go with the flow and and change things as we go. But one of the first things that I'd I'd like to ask is, what's a topic that we need to actually spend time talking about? Well, one of the things I'm really concerned about is teaching and learning and why we have to change it now. So I really want to talk about change and what that means. Does that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, that sounds perfect. So so give me an example of something you think that just really needs to change right now. Um, well, the way teachers teach, um, a lot of it is um, we've, we've not given them the opportunity to be creative, and now we're saying we want them to do that in, in the United States with Common Core. We say it's okay, you can be creative, but then there's bureaucracy gets in the way and says well wait a minute you have all these standards and you have to meet you know teach to the test and things like that so those are the concerns that I have is how do you do this when you have so many constraints you have bell schedules and you have things like that we need to figure out a way if you're going to say be creative then give them the time give them the resources give them the space and uh, then also give it uh, opportunities for the kids to be able to have more voice in what they do and that's not going to happen if we keep putting these constraints over them. Mm-hmm. The, that, the, the one thing at Inquiry Hub that I noticed that really removes things is getting rid of the bell schedule. It's amazing what that that more than anything I think empowers us to have a, a lot of opportunity but I, hidden inside of that one of the things that I think um, uh, when you talk about the United States specifically, which I don't have a lot of experience, mm-hmm. it seems the limitations often come around the high-stakes assessments. Yes. And, I, I mean, I've seen now around the country some are getting around that. Um, 
like in Kentucky, they have innovation districts where they actually waived for those, I don't know how long now, um, but they said they didn't have to do the tests. And now they're starting to cut back on the number of tests. But when you start testing in kindergarten, I just started crying. Um, kids don't, their brains aren't even formed yet mm -hmm. until about seven. And so now you're, you're putting a label on them right away. And we need to really th rethink our system just like Finland did. And so, yeah, I'm looking at an international uh, approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, I didn't tell you, I'm actually going to New Zealand and uh, end, of, yeah, end of April and going to visit some schools because some of the things they're doing is they have gotten rid of the test and it's more open. So I'm, I'll find out more and be able to share that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll have to do this again. <laughs> What's an aha moment that you've had as a teacher that you'll never forget? Uh, well, actually, I'm going to tell you as a coach because teacher, teacher coach, teacher coach, because I worked in Oakland um, school district in the Bay Area, and one of the things I, I loved is this is one um, project that we did was with ancient Egypt, and we turned it over to the kids. We asked them, "What would you like? How would you think you could do this if it's a project?" And the kids came up with being ancient Egypt travel agents. Then we came up with the idea of doing a showcase with the school. And the, one of the kids comes up to me and says, Mrs. Bray, um, don't you think we need to have costumes then? And I'm like, well, we don't have any money for it. If you can put a proposal together and figure out how you can do it without it. And next day he comes in and he had a sheet, a red sheet, <laughs> um, and he had it with a hole in it, and it, it was uh, like a tunic, and then he had a, a ribbon for a belt, and he had a manila folder that he cut, and that he put sprinkled um, glitter on it, and he had a band around his head. I mean, he had it all planned, and he comes in, and he says, what do you think of this? And I said, this is wonderful, but how can we all do it? And he says, I've talked to my aunt who works at Michael's Craft Store. I've got these manila folders from my mom. And my mom said she's going to get all the parents together. And I said, wow, this is so cool. And how did you come up with this? He says, I've always wanted to be a fashion designer. Now, he's a sixth grader. He was one of those <coughs> troubled kids. We thought he was going to join the gang, and he wants to be a fashion designer. How would we have known? Yeah. That's my aha moment. That's that was, awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah and, and the thing is you empowered the students, <clears throat> and they felt legitimately empowered. Yeah. Um, and then they surprised you with what they're able to do. Well, some, one other thing yeah. happened that was really cool is, um, remember, this is uh, Oakland, very um, high risk, um, high poverty, and um, one of the African-American kids comes over to me and he says, you know, I don't get it. Why is it that the girls are the only ones wearing makeup? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, in ancient Egypt, the men wore makeup. And I said, well, how do you want to do it? So he talked to the girls, and they all put makeup on the boys. I'm not kidding. So I have pictures somewhere if anyone wants to see. Because the kids made up their minds what they wanted. Now, if we had told them all the boys have to wear makeup, they would never have done Not it. Not in a chance. Yeah. yeah. See, isn't, wasn't that, that cool? Age. It was yeah. so cool. That's, so. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> What's one thing that needs to, st to stop happening in education? Well, <laughs> top-down decision-making. Um, if we can make it a shared decision, even the kids have a voice. You just demonstrated that with the last I, answer. Yeah. If we can, but it's hard because even principals have, are, are, you know, there's so much bureaucracy, um, and 
things that are mandated for them to do, that it's so scary for teachers to even go outside. There has to be this openness where everyone feels like um, it's a risk-free environment, and I can take those um, chances, and it's okay. I'm not going to get punished for it. Mm -hmm. And you only do that if you, as a teacher, student, and uh, administrator, you all are working together and doing, and it's called self-governance, where everyone feels like they have a voice in the system. And and I don't know how to push that more. Uh, there's examples, like there's a thing called Sudbury Valley Schools, where it's everyone has a voice, even from kindergarten up. Um, and so, and every everyone has to lead a meeting with, there's no just teacher meetings, there's teacher, student, everyone is part of it, even parents. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a voice in what's going on in that school. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think and I think there's neat opportunities for that. Um, not every school is going to go to, you know, that you're talking about really democratic schools. Yeah. Um, not all schools are going to be democratic. So at the same time, uh, when we look at sort of the concern about top-down, I think um, there are smaller pieces that everybody can do. Right, so uh, you know, you talk about the the teachers empowering the students to make the choices around what the project looks like and what they're going to do in it, and then and then teachers feeling like the their administrators are allowing them to take risks without a, sort of a heavy consequence. So mm -hmm. I think it, I, it, I think it, it doesn't yeah. have to be the decision making uh, can look in a lot of different ways, um, and that everybody has that voice is one way. But I think there's a lot of other opportunities where still reduce that top-down pressure. Oh, I love it. I mean, it, it, it's a range, and um, so that's the issue, is that it's, like you said, not everyone's going to go to Sudbury uh, <laughs> type of schools, but um, like, I don't even need to say it anymore. You said it right. Yeah. It's just the way we... There, there's just lots of choice. Lots of choice. Lots of choice where people mm -hmm. have to be not so risk-averse. Yes. Yeah. Well, they also need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. You have to feel safe. If you feel that your job is at jeopardy or something else happens because of something you do that you feel is really right, um, it, it'll keep you from moving on. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to feel safe in, in your environment. It has to be a culture of where everyone feels um, they're all learning together. Right now, it's too, there's too much of this control teachers have it that's how they were taught you are the one that's managing the classroom and you said, <laughs> you said something really magic there and you said learning together mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we forget that we think the learning is what the kids do and mm -hmm. I think that the learning together where we demonstrate that we're learners and continually doing something new and administrators do the same I think when we show ourselves as learners first and share the learning and uh, I think that's when uh, really see neat things happen. Oh, I love it. What are we getting right in education right now? Hmm. Well, there's a lot going on, but it's in pockets. Mm -hmm. um, you'll have some school districts where they'll say, we're going to do a pilot and with the people that are ready to move. And it's just it's wonderful. And those are the ones we're all sharing. Um, you have some schools where uh, they're jumping in. I, I'm thinking of Kettle Moraine up in Wisconsin where they said, we're going to try this. I, I've been lucky to work with Digital Promise um, 
there is an organization where they're doing the League of Innovation Schools and micro-credentials. And Kettle Moraine, uh, with Pat DeClotz as a superintendent, said, I'm going to take this a little further. I'm going to let the teachers take over and get um, credit for what they're doing using these micro-credentials. So she built it in as their whole PD. That's a whole PD system. And so the teachers have taken over because the administrator says, this is a way we can all do this together. And that, that is you know, exciting, but it's not happening everywhere. Right. That's only one. And another is um, Kentucky. Uh, they had 10 innovation school districts where the uh, state said, we're going to give you money. You can try what you want. You don't have the, uh, the mandates. And you can kind of experiment. And that's cool if you can get people go, because now you have some models that you can see what's working. Nice. But it's not happening all the time. And if it's only going to be for a short time, when that administrator is there and another one comes in, what happens? Mm -hmm. So we need to keep sharing out. That's what I like doing is telling the stories and uh, kind of showcasing, but hopefully those are replicated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen. Yeah, I have, a, I have something that I wrote called uh, The Lone Wolf, and oh, wow. it's, uh, it's a post that I wrote for, for a conference, um, Unplugged Conference. It was an amazing getaway. Imagine all, all the edu geeks like us that uh, are totally connected going somewhere where there's no cellular and there's no wireless and spending four days co-writing uh, together. So it was just fantastic. I want to go uh, with you I, next time. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they haven't had one. They only had two, and I got to go to the second one. Uh, wow. But one of my dear friends uh, in Ontario, Donna Fry, um, oh, she, I, I know you know Donna? Donna? Yeah. yeah. So at Fry Ed, for anyone who wants to see her on Twitter, um, she prints that and hands it to people that are those lone wolves that are doing that thing that's brilliant that doesn't get recognized in their district. Wow. And so I think she's single-handedly responsible for uh, sharing out my, my, that blog post is the most read one that I have. So just to end that, that note, I think one of the things is there, there are, I, I call them pockets of brilliance, and I think we, we're still at a point where we have to continue to really point to them and highlight them mm -hmm. as what's possible um, to help reduce that fear of, uh, of kind of moving forward and taking risks. Well, can I just add something? Please. 20 some year, 93, I had a, a women of ed tech uh, group that I started. And we used to meet at different places that were all from all over where we talked about how can we show what women are doing in ed tech. And um, now those same, some of those same women said, we need to show what's happening out there now. So we're starting to get together again. And we would meet at places like Asilomar and other places. And I think it's not the same. We didn't unplug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the idea of sharing stories and pulling them together and maybe some, somehow have, get it out there, what people are doing is really important. I agree. Yeah. I agree. What's a quick hack that you use to make something you regularly do easier? <laughs> well, my friends will tell you, oh my gosh, Barbara, you're such a perfectionist. You're always doing, you know, and I, so I do to-do lists and um, I have it on a big whiteboard and then I prioritize it in the important, urgent, you know, that kind of thing. 
But I also look at, I have a box called fun, <laughs> and I try to put fun first because if I only did the hard things first, I probably wouldn't do it, I, I, or I'd be crying all day. So <laughs> I try to get through some of the things and then I mix them up, but I try to make it so I can at least feel like I've accomplished something during the day, but I also feel good about myself. So it's actually a section of your list called the fun list? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so you, you, you go there first. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a good hack because it makes you feel good about accomplishing something right off the bat on, on probably your long list. Well, sometimes it's kind of silly. Like, uh -huh. I just put down, like, make sure you wash your hair today, oh. you know? <laughs> and that way I can check it off and they go, wow, I feel so much better. You know, that, I know it sounds crazy, but... Actually, it doesn't. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that's a really good hack because you are getting yourself used to feeling good about checking things off the box. And then when yeah. something hard comes along, it's not like the next hard thing you have to do. And so it becomes a little easier to work through your stuff. So yeah. that's an excellent hack. And, and the other thing is that some of these things take a long time to do. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I break down the hard things. And so I can say, well, first thing is doing some research. Check that off. Second thing is calling somebody for this. Check that off. And instead of a big thing that says, do this, write a whole chapter of a book, which did, I'm not going to be able to check that off. Yes. So um, I'm just trying, because of who I am, I had to find, I actually had a coach work with me, a business nice. coach, to help me because I was really stymied and couldn't mm -hmm. move on and I got frustrated w with things, so it helped. I think, I think I, I mean, I learned something there because I think some of the big things that I put on that I know I can't get done because they're too big, if I had broken them down, I would actually probably accomplish them faster. So that's good. <laughs> What's an area you sit with uncertainty? Well, I've been doing this work for 25, 30 years, and it's really frustrating that yeah. change is taking so long. And so <laughs> I, I, I wasn't fair to you when, I, when I, we introduced each other. I know about what you do, but can you tell people kind of the things that you do? Um, well, I'm, I'm working with Kathleen McCloskey with personalized learning. Um, we've been doing that. We wrote two books on that. And um, uh, but before that, I was an ed technologist. Um, uh, ed, ed, that's not really what how I I says I'm a creative learning strategist. That's the name I, like <laughs> I give myself. Um, and I worked with. Um, Oakland School District and some of the other uh, in the Bay Area. I work with CTAP, which was their technology, um, their regional technology system projects. I um, so my whole thing was building coaching programs. So I had a nice. coaching program that went around the country, and I've worked with not only schools, but I work with organizations like Discovery and others. So. And so you were saying as far as sitting with uncertainty, it's about the, how long change takes? Yeah. My, when I first came in and started working with schools, um, it, we were introducing technology and there were so many teachers that were resistant. And um, I'll give an example. One, um, I walked in and they had the old iMac, bubble iMacs. And <laughs> Uh, the different color ones, remember those? Um, oh, I know those a little yeah. too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I walked in this one classroom and she had black plastic just neatly just taped around it, all of them. And I said, wow, are you trying to keep the dust off? And she goes, oh no, if I can't see them, I don't have to use them. 
I'm not oh, kidding. Geez. And I, so I, I thought, oh my gosh, this kind of mentality, how do you get through that? And um, now there are people that are still resistant. In fact, there's a group of teachers that moved up through the system who know more than we do. Mm-hmm. It, it's a whole different feeling that they're the ones that know how to do this and direct instruction is the best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, letting go of that control because that's what they've learned in school. So it's kind of like, I felt like I went backwards on some. Mm-hmm. We have some people that are just amazing. So I don't want to say it's a whole thing. It just seems like change is just taking way, way too long. Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think back to when I started blogging and I was, you know, that we're, we're 10, year, 10 plus years ago now, and I was connecting to people that were doing incredible things in their classroom. Yeah. In 2006, that mm-hmm. people now are still saying wow about. I know. And, and so, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things where uh, it, just, it just really makes you wonder how long uh, is, is it going to be before the momentum of change actually mm-hmm. impacts us. Uh, I love asking this question without explanation. What's your magic? <laughs> well, some people tell me that mine is, I'm very enthusiastic. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I get really excited about yeah. things, and some people get excited because I'm excited about it. And so maybe that's, I, it, I don't <laughs> I've, I, For as long as I've known you, that's what I felt. So I have to agree <laughs> with you. That is your magic. Oh, thanks. What message would you want to share with the whole world? Oh boy. Um, first, I, is it okay if I have two? Yes. All right. First one is change is going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So get on the board. Don't yeah. don't try don't try to just go back and think that it's not going to happen. These yes. kids are different. Yes. So you're going to have to keep up. And um, I have a quote that I said. Just on that topic. Oh, sorry, I, I think. Go back. I, I think. Um, I think there's. There are two words that, um, and they have different power to them. One is there's a nostalgia about the way things used to be. And, and that's something you just kind of have to get ri- rid of, I think. It's just, um, uh, but I, I do think the other one, I do think the other one is tradition. Uh-huh. And I feel like uh, that's one that can really mess us up in the sense of, um, if a tradition is really meaningful, it should be maintained. Mm-hmm. But often, things that you t- people just want to keep are masked in tradition. Yeah. And that's one of the problems. And so we'll get to your second one in just a sec. And we just switch rooms. Barbara's going to be presenting in half an hour here at Educon. And uh, the room we were in, presenters came in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, we were talking about uh, the message you'd give the whole world and we've talked about uh, you can't stop change but do you have another one for me yes um about 20 years ago i said something and someone said oh that's a great quote so that quote is go with your strengths to find your passion so you discover your purpose what was cool is this principal called me from i think it's ohio or illinois and he said i love it can i make that quote and put it up on my gym wall and it's still there (laughs) so and one of the other things is um i'm thinking of updating it because i found that your purpose changes 
because your passion changes mm -hmm. when you get when you start learning more and so discover your purpose again and again might be part of it <laughs> yeah, sort of a, yeah it doesn't have to be one purpose is yeah. your idea yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's great i'm gonna i'm gonna posterize that and uh and add it to my podcast so oh, i'm gonna cool. make sure that that's something that that we share i'll send it to you i have it in a graphic you do yeah oh, i'll send it to does you does it have your photo or your name on it, it has my name on it but not Perfect. my photo oh, okay if you want me to put my pretty little photo there absolutely <laughs> there's that enthusiasm you're talking about okay um if you popped into the 10 years in the future and you're to give yourself your current self advice what would it be well, I'm not young, <laughs> and everyone's telling me, Barbara, you work too much. I need a better, I need to balance my life more. Yeah, I think a lot of educators could, could use mm -hmm. that advice. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me about the day you became a better blank? A better blank. Um, 30 years ago, I had an accident. So a better person. I, is that, yeah, we talked about this before. That's yeah, what you're talking about? about? Is that right? Yeah. yeah okay. I became a better person because I ended up realizing I, I, I needed to change my life. I was a dental hygienist, and mm -hmm. I didn't really enjoy it. I taught dental hygiene. I loved teaching. I loved technology. Um, but I didn't want to let go of mm -hmm. something I was doing. So when I fell, I um, broke my neck. I broke mm -hmm. my leg. I, um, and how did you fall? Um, we had construction around our house, wow. and I went out to get the dog and went bang and went and hit my head on some cement. And I, I'm lucky to be alive. You broke your neck. I broke my neck. Yeah, yeah. you can see. Oh, geez, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, to me, um, it made me wake up. Why mm -hmm. do something you don't like? Why don't you do something you really want to do? So I went back into teaching, and uh, in a different way, mm -hmm. into K-12, and I also worked in the university. Uh, near me. I worked at Berkeley and um, also worked at a uh, wonderful school, St. Mary's College. And I realized I loved working with adults. Nice. I, I worked with kids, but I really loved working with adults. Mm -hmm. And so my uh, one of my good friends, Sarah Armstrong, said, oh, you went from dental flossing to mental flossing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And yeah, you've been challenging a lot of people for a lot of years uh, with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I have a few more questions. Um, can you tell me about your favorite teacher? Well, I didn't like school K-12. I didn't do very well. I felt I was labeled a poor reader and mm -hmm. some other things and very <clears throat> shy and all these things. And didn't like my writing and I go to community college and there was this English teacher who said to me, I, I did a poem. And he came to me and he says, this is unbelievable. I'd like you to read it at the quad. I read the poem and people loved it. He said, you might want to enter it in a contest. And I won. Wow. And he said, I don't want you to stop there. Write some more. So I wrote an article and he said, why don't you submit it somewhere? I submitted it to Seventeen Magazine and it got published. Fantastic. And so I realized I was letting other people impact me and tell me who I was. I needed mm -hmm. to find out for myself, but he, I needed one person that just believed in me, I guess, and my parents believed in me, but when the system was constantly telling me, you have this problem, this problem, this problem, and not really finding my strength, mm -hmm. I needed someone to do that, so I'll always remember him doing that. That's a powerful message. Do you remember his name? Um, actually, 
Mr. Armstrong. Mr. Armstrong. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, what don't people know about you that you'd like to, sh <laughs> like to share? Um, I love to dance. Mm -hmm. And when I lived in Maryland, um, I used to go down on M Street, and I didn't even tell my mom, because <laughs> I was a go-go girl. <laughs> um, I wanted to make a little extra money on the side, but I also wanted to do it where I was doing something I loved. So you ever remember seeing those girls in a cage? <laughs> that <Yes>. was me. <laughs> and I had long, I have very curly hair, and I used to, it was long, and I would iron it, and... I would have a little white leather skirt, and I had the white boots, and I had the white fringe on there, and I would dance and have so much fun. <laughs> and then I'd come home and change my clothes. My mom never knew what I did, and I can't <laughs> believe I did it. And, and <laughs> but I had so much fun. That was like, you know, my little secret. Your little secret. My yeah. little secret. How old were you? I was 17, 18. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved dancing. I even tried out for a movie with Paul Anka and Annette Funicello. I, at one of the, with a, I was really t tiny then. I was like 98 pounds or something. And I was like skinny and so I had to wear a, b a bikini and I got out and, and, <laughs> and did your little dance. I didn't get in, but I had so much fun. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how do you take care of yourself, Barbara? Well, I walk, mm -hmm. um, I read, um, I don't walk enough. So every 20 minutes, I have a little way of buzzing me to get up. I have music on in the background, and I dance because <laughs> I love to dance. That's awesome. Uh, emotionally, I try. I'm learning how about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I'm going through some mindfulness training right now, breathing and doing meditation because I feel I need to take better care of myself. Um, I'm. I'm not in a good place right now because yeah. I need to balance a little to bit. Find, you mentioned that already, the balance. And, and yeah. the meditation is something that I just, I see the more highly productive people I see, the, the more I see that they're somehow into meditation. So yeah. it's something I'm going to take a little more seriously. What's a passion that extends outside of education technol and technology for you? I'm a game player. A game player. I, yeah, yeah, I love games. And um, I I play poker once a month. <laughs> I have a group. I even got green visors. We're just characters. <laughs> and then I play Mahjong once a week. I love it. Um, my husband and I love to play games. Um, nice. And then when I'm with my family, we do charades. We It's just something we were brought up with and just love. That's fantastic. And... Um, Tell us a bit about the books you've written and what your plans are oh, as well, a final thing. Yeah, Kathleen and I um, uh, wrote two books. We wrote um, Make Learning Personal in 2014. And, and I'm honored that I was in there with uh, the Inquiry Hub just getting started. So yeah, that was fantastic. We were lucky to have you yeah, there, part of it. It's been wonderful. And um, that's what I said. We wanted to tell people stories, and yours yes. is a wonderful story. So that book is doing really well. Um, people really liked it, but they wanted the how. That was the actually the what, the who, the uh, wow, the where, and the why. And everyone goes, how do you do it? So we just came out in last October with the how to personalize learning. And, um, and I read it. I got, so that's <laughs> awesome. I, I got I got the preview. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. just it's it's a wonderful book. I think in the sense that 
uh, it hits so many levels. If you're a brand new teacher, it really is the, you know, here's the here here's how you can do it. But if you're a if you're someone who's a seasoned teacher, you're gonna pull some of those exercises and some of those things out and go, hey, I know how I can use this in my context. So whether you're that seasoned person or that brand new teacher, it has something for you in there about mm. personalizing learning. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel good that um, people are telling us that we ha there's a lot of good stuff. Yes. In and uh, we wanted to give it, make it very practical. It's called How to Personalize Learning, a Practical Guide to yeah. <laughs> Transform Teaching and Learning, really. It's, we, we really wanted to come up with some ways. And, um, and, so. and you told me a little secret about your next book and where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be a fiction writer. And awesome. I want to write, um, I, one of my friends from my poker group, <laughs> she and I started a murder mystery. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't want to tell you too much about it. No, but that's good. Yeah, yeah, so, but my thing is, uh, I also, um, I didn't tell you this, but I, I want to write with my sisters a story about my mom. My mom was pretty famous, and I want to write her book. Awesome. Yeah. What was she, why was she famous? She was a courtroom artist. She was the first courtroom artist. Oh, wow. She did the McCarthy trials. Wow. Yeah, wow. and she did all the big trials when we moved to California. She did, starting with the Black Panther, Huey Newton, all the way up to O.J. She worked for Associated Press. So those, that that's a story that needs to be told. That's well, fantastic. And all her drawings are at the University of Ber Berkeley at their library. Fantastic. And so I just want, I, I have to figure out where my priorities are, and I know my sisters and I are trying to figure that out. Well, Barbara, thank you so much. I mean, your enthusiasm continues to shine through. Uh, just the yeah. fact that you're moving into fiction and then you <laughs> want to write, you know, what you show is that, that learning is lifelong and everything's an adventure. Aww. And uh, so thank you for spending some time and, and uh, I'm sure that anyone who listens to this will get something out of it. So appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much. This was fun. Any last words or comments? Oh, I just thank you for your friendship and learning yeah. from you. I am honored and uh, I hope we can do some more. I, I, I like this. It's I'm sure, I'm sure we'll connect again. On, uh, <laughs> I have lots of opportunities. Thank you. Thank you.